Guru Nation, thank you so much for listening to another episode of Random Musings from the Clinical Trials Guru. It really means a lot to me. If you haven't subscribed, please do so. Thank you so much. Leave a review. I wanted to also thank my sponsors who make this show possible. The first one is Viva Sight Vault. Absolutely free. By the way, links to all of this stuff is in the show notes. Viva Sight Vault. If you are a site and you wanted to dip your toe into going digital and for e-reg and to start messing around with e-signatures, this is the way to go. They are the biggest name in our industry from a tech vendor standpoint. They're site-centric. They make this easy for us, guys and gals. And it's absolutely free. Sites.viva.com. Check it out. I use it. I also use Versatrail, which is my next sponsor. Versatrail has made my life so easy as a coordinator from an organization standpoint. Links to all these portals are in one easy place. You can literally link to anything you can think of, whether it's a protocol or it's the latest informed consent form or it's the IRT or it's the vendor to upload this or the other vendor to upload that. It's all there in one easy place. Not to mention, they do a lot on the feasibility side, which makes feasibility surveys a breeze. Check it out. This is a company that is going places. Versatrail. My next sponsor is Creo. I've been using Creo for years. They are eSource and eReg and CTMS and patient database and eConsent and so many more other things. And while they are not free, I definitely think it is worth the price for what you are getting. It has streamlined my research studies and my site, and I got all my coordinators trained on it, and I could not picture running my site without Creo. So check it out. Link in the show note. Finally, Inato, a free service for business development. Go figure. Link in the show note. It makes figuring out what studies you want easier. It makes figuring out what you're going to get if you accept a study super simple. And it really streamlines the process for knowing what's out there on the market. You can use it for as many investigators as you have. And again, it's absolutely free in Nato. Also in the show notes are links to the businesses I own, specifically DSCS, where we help sites get studies, do their contracts, help you with surveys, anything else you can think of, a shoulder to cry on, low monthly fee. And then we have the CRA, CRC Academies and everything else. Guru Nation, thank you so much for watching. Make sure you like, subscribe, comment, share. If you're listening on the podcast, look, all these all these tech vendors are in the show notes. They're the sponsors, but they're also the ones I use. And this podcast is going to be, I think, a good one because I talked about starting a site, getting study, all this stuff, but this is going to be about managing a growing site, which... You can be a brand new site that's growing. You could be a, a a site that's been around for two decades or more that's growing. And I don't think we cover this enough in the, in mm-hmm. the industry. And and I have a senior CRA on, but also she's just recently been a remote site monitor for a major CRO. So she's going to give us her insights because she was working directly with sites on 
what they can do better just from her experiences as far as like what site owners or site directors can do better as far as growing their sites. But look, here's the here's the sponsors, which also are tech companies that help you grow, which I use them all. First one's in Nato. It's on my shirt. It's BizDev for sites, but it's free. Unlocking access to trials in the community. Now, this is not yet for brand new sites. Like they actually vet you. It's all free. They send you study leads, but they vet you. So you have to like prove that you have experience in these therapeutic areas. But once you do, which is the state that I'm in right now with Yuma Klingo Trail, barely, but I'm there. You get like free study opportunity. That's amazing. Go check out the link underneath this video in the show notes. The next one's Versatrail. It helps keep your site organized with all these links. Ashley, one of my new studies we haven't even started. We have like 13 portals. 13. Oh my God. I don't know any of these passwords. Yeah. I don't even know which one does what. But because of Versatrail, I do. I don't have to think. It's just, okay, I go on there. Okay, I need EDC. I can't remember who's the EDC. Mm-hmm. Here it is. And then I just click and I'm signed in and boom. So I love Versatrail. Plus, they do a feasibility thing, which is really cool for sites. It makes your feasibilities easier because it remembers what mm-hmm. you put. Versatrial, check it out. Viva Site Vault, amazing. If you want a free e-reg, I, like, if you're a site, one, 80% of sites have not switched to digital anything, e-source or e-reg. That's a lot. Yeah. Here's a free way to do it. Viva Site Vault, free e-reg. So far, these three that I mentioned are all free. The last one, Creo, it's not free, but I think it's worth it. Because they have e-source, e-reg, CTMS, financials, reporting, patient recruitment, plus the founder, Ray, is always rolling out new stuff. They have a medical records thing, which, actually, when I talk to you about this medical records thing, like, (laughs) well, do you know that, I don't even know if I'm allowed to say this, but I'm just going to say it anyways. When you're a site and you have a patient coming in from outside of your clinic, so you don't mm-hmm. have their medical history, yes. the, the process now is like, let's get them to sign this authorization to yes. release records. Let's mm-hmm. fax it to their doctor mm-hmm. and let's wait for them. And usually you have to do three documented fax attempts and mm-hmm. phone calls. Well, Creo is going to launch this thing. It's going to be free for the sites. Um this database where 90% of patients in the U S are already in it. So as long as you get the authorization uploaded, their medical records will be in your Creo in the subject folder. That's pretty, that's pretty major. Game changing. (laughs) Wait till they start doing recruitment. Ray, if I said too much, I'm sorry, man, but Creo (laughs) is the way to go. That's a major. I was in the medical industry for 13 years, and I actually very much detested that process. I thought it was super inefficient, especially when you had new patients coming in and they're, you know, taking time from their day and stuff. So that's amazing. Well, we're we're at the point where like these doctors just won't. They're especially in like these underserved communities, like their MA, you know, has to get this fax and then respond to it. Like they just don't Mm -hmm. do it. So mm-hmm. what we've started doing for patients outside our clinic is giving them an intake form and they self-report what they're taking. Or we ask them to bring all their medications with them to their screening yeah. visit. But it's not as accurate. Like they forget. Yeah. Or, 
they don't know like certain things or maybe they don't want to put certain things. So you're not getting like the full viewpoint. Yeah. And this is a good segue into our conversation. So one of the, I believe that patient leads. So I think recruitment is going to get a little bit easier with technology. Patient leads are eventually going to be passive for sites as crazy as that sounds. No, I mean, I can see that though. It makes sense. For sure. I think in a decade, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that, like, by 2033, I think sites will have no problem getting patient leads for their studies. But that doesn't mean those are all screenings, like, or randomizations. So someone's going to have to vet through those leads. Sites are going to all have to have call centers or a dedicated person just calling everyone and doing a really good job of pre-screening. Uh, unless tech can do that, but tech won't do the persuasion part. Mm-mm. Yeah, I was about to say for 2030, there's a lot of expected growth and expansion in tech, especially within healthcare and pharmaceuticals. So I wouldn't be surprised if that is the case and that does happen by, I'd say, 2030. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's a perfectly good example to to go and state that, you know, for those of you that are doing patient recruitment, or that are in the area of maybe customer service and in, in healthcare, this is probably something that you can really consider to start tailoring yourself to because this is definitely going to be needed for sure. Yeah, if you're smart, like just approach sites now and say, hey, you know what, I'll, I'll learn like the studies you want me to learn from the pre-screening perspective and I'll pre-screen patients for you. Like that's, that's a skill that uh, is going to be increasingly important. Mm-hmm. manage growing managing a site like my site Yuma Clinical Trails and then by the way for those of you guys watching listening you're gonna recognize this guest if you don't then I don't know what's wrong with you where you've been <laughs> it's actually Margo her link is underneath the video and in the show notes she's I've known her for like I've known you right before COVID That's right before I mean. COVID right Literally before January January right before March and it happened it will no it was february i remember it was like the cold february 2020 i came out to austin it was one of the coldest weeks ever in austin i went there or at least for that year i went there for me it was cold from california i went there and there was rumor because it was in china already and i remember the uber driver driving me back to the airport and he's like man good thing you can get on this flight i hear rumors Mm-hmm. And I, I was like, nah, don't worry about it. Well, you remember yeah. we talked about it because I was at the time I was in uh, public health and I was in infectious disease public health. So we spoke about that at, um, I think, when we went when we went out that time. Um, we talked a little bit about it because it was getting pretty crazy, I think. But yeah, it's crazy. Ago, like four yeah, years it, changed, and- it changed the industry um, for the better, I think. But yeah at least research um but actually i've known her for a while and in that time you know she became a cra now she's a senior cra she became a consultant she's been helping us with our cra and crc academies people getting them like job like preparing them for job interviews and cv and resume preps which she still does um but on this interview so go connect with her. But in this interview, we're going to focus on her recent time as a remote site monitor, mm-hmm. because you like for this topic of managing growing sites, you probably have interesting insights that I overlook as a site director. So like, what yeah. are some of the 
you had these weekly calls you had to make with your sites. Mm-hmm. What were like some of the main pain points that you you see that sites could improve? For sure. So I think ultimately it obviously the staff, right? I think PIs run heavily on the coordinator. So when I talk about growth and potential efficiency, I always reference the coordinator. Um, partially also what I speak about in your CRC Academy to the CRC students um, is that if using technology is definitely one thing, benefiting, this is why I like what you were saying um, with these uh, companies that you just mentioned, um, especially Versatrial. I love that they organize things because I think making things easy, easily able to access without confusion or anything like that is a huge, is a huge one. But ultimately it comes down to the coordinator, how well they are organized, not just in general, but for each study specifically, right? Because you'll get, you'll have one study that's probably a little bit more relaxed that you have more often. And then you'll have one study that's pretty intense and difficult, but it's only every so often that you'll get a subject or, you know, how, how, however often you have to screen. And so what I've found is that sometimes coordinators, um, because they're more common studies are more relaxed, they tend to be relax on their end on the on the end side but whenever it comes to difficult studies they start to fall behind and have some issues and kind of say well I don't know what I'm doing or or this is this or that or oh you know what I'll do this again next time it's kind of having such um organization up in place to really be more efficient so some of the things that I teach as a consultant for these coordinators uh, is some of the things that I would recommend are being uh, very particular in how you set up and organize your calendar and making sure that your team whether it's your PI and or data manager or CTA, that everybody's up to par and understands the, whether it's color coding or organization off of that end, because should something happen and you be out of town or be sick or something like that, your team already has placement and understanding of how you organize so that somebody can easily jump in and help assist, right? This helps from your, from your experiences though, as a RSM remote yeah. site monitor. Yeah. How how many sites would you say, like just guessing percentage were organized to the level you would like? So I oversaw <laughs> 32 sites, both overseeing Canada and the US. And I can honestly say maybe four. Four maybe out of 32. Four. So what is that? Yeah, my math so, sucks. 16%. Yeah, my <laughs> 16%. <laughs> Probably, yeah, it was extremely low. I, well, I felt like it was extremely low that were actually organized. Um, and that. They they really relied very heavily on my site management call um, um, issue that I gave them via email. So if you don't know what that is, is when a monitor calls you a weekly or biweekly or monthly, um, they go over all the issues and reference back to the IMV that happened with the previous on-site CRA and ensure that you know you're up to date about what's going on. So usually. The CRAs or CRCs would be like, oh, well, I didn't receive it. Can you send it to me? I really don't know what's going on, which, hey, it's fine. That's the whole point of that SMC. But naturally, you know, if you're if you're organized, if you're being on t- on, on point with your information, um, because even CRAs make mistakes. Right. It's 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 a known fact that like everybody down the line can make a mistake. And so you don't want to assume and rely 100 percent on your CRA because ultimately that's CRO level. You are the CRC that is overseeing everybody at the site level. So if you run the risk of somebody else potentially not or doing their job right, 
you know, something happens, it falls back on you at the site level, which you have the highest role, right? So what we're like, did you have any, um, could you tell during your calls, the experience yes. level of the coordinators? Yes, immediately. Immediately. Yeah. Um, it's pretty much, you know, if I asked for something, where are we at with this? Um, you know what? I don't know. Let me, let me figure that out and get back to you. A lot of the coordinators that just didn't have the information on hand would say, you know, give me a quick minute. Let me run through my documentation right here and I'll get that answer for you. But for the ones that would be uh, very much like, um, oh, you know what? Can I give you an email back? Can I give you a call back? That let me know that they either did not follow through or if they did, they didn't follow up to see what the update was on that issue. So they're not entirely on top of that issue itself, which is not a bad thing. Because again, oh, if your site is busy um, and you're communicating with your CRA, they're going to know that you have multiple studies. They're going to yeah. actually be understanding that, hey, you're not going to immediately know every answer right away. But, but how do you how do you differentiate? I guess what I'm trying to get at, because for yeah. sites trying to manage their growing site like me, mm. how do you differentiate? Like, when do you escalate it? And do you escalate it to the site director or PI? Or oh, like, how do you differentiate between this is just a busy coordinator versus yeah. this is a coordinator that's just not getting things done and I don't have confidence in them? For sure. So what we do or what I would do, sorry, uh, what I would do as a CRA is if I sent an email, let's say one month, right? And and we had the follow-up SMC and they didn't give me any response the next SMC the following month, I would follow back up. If I got the same response, I would resend the email. This time I would attach the PI and I would also attach the CTM of the study, the clinical trial manager, and make sure that that email has a chain from the previous times I had already communicated and stated, uh, as per today's call, you did confirm <laughs> that you did not, you know, X, Y, Z. Those coordinators going to hate you. Yeah, I mean, but the thing is, when you look at it on the end of efficiency, that coordinator, if they take the lesson well, because it is a learning lesson, right? That's something that's going to make them more efficient and potentially that much more, uh, you know, um, valuable, right? Because they're learning on the end of the CRA and how to be more, um, I guess, more accurate follow through, right? So that's what I do. And if there's no response there at that point, I do escalate to the CTM. The CTM more than likely will reach out to the PI or send another separate email directed to the PI with the CRC included in the email, but not directed to the CRC. Wait, so wait. Letting the... But yeah, yeah, but before that, so when you send the email to the CRC mm -hmm. and the PI and the CTM, yeah. yeah, I'm just curious, how often does the PI reply? Not often. Um, yeah, not often. <laughs> so nothing will actually get changed. That's the thing. It's like no. yeah. there's a site director there at the site that you mm -hmm. may not know. Yeah. Or you may not have the contact. That's probably the one responsible for, for this. Like that would be me at my site. Like my PI yeah. also probably wouldn't reply. Or if he did, he would just forward it to me, mm -hmm. the site director. Mm -hmm. And that's typical, I think. But that's why I wanted to ask you that. And you yeah. basically confirmed this. Yeah. So typically, if there is a site director, uh, we will be notified. Or like, if, like for example, when I was on a remote site monitor, um, depending on the communication. Because usually, right, the traveling CRA is the one that creates those relationships. Mm -hmm. And they confirm whether the site director is okay with actually being included on these emails, which they should. They but need to be. The, yeah, exactly. But if the PI isn't aware that the site director is saying, 
I don't want to be on those emails. This is solely responsible of the coordinator. Well, then, yeah, you're going to have issues like that where there's escalations and only it's going to be uh, added just to the coordinator and to the PI. The site director is going to be nowhere included on these doc these emails and documentations because that wasn't communicated. Well, that's a bad that's a bad site director then. Like mm -hmm. to me, the site director is supposed to be in charge of the stuff like to make the mm -hmm. PI's life easy. Yes. That's my job as a site owner, site director, my PI. I don't want any of my PIs getting upset. And the more mm -hmm. emails they get like this, like people are not doing their jobs, mm -hmm. the worse it looks on me. Yeah. As, and the, the higher the risk that this PI says, you know what, Dan, I don't want to do this anymore. You guys mm -hmm. blowing up my inbox with all these angry monitors. Yeah. Yeah. So no, site this is, site directors need to take care of it. This is videos for them. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, but this is definitely something that does happen, that can happen. Um, so, you know, it's, it's. I guess you'd say as a PI, you want to ensure that your site director, especially if you're starting off, that they're taking full accountability of what the coordinators are doing and or, you know, how they're going about communicating with the CROs, with the studies in particular. How often did you catch, from the 32 sites you had, right? Mm -hmm. um, how often did you catch like a major issues? Uh, well, I was phase three, and to be quite honest, towards the end, we're already like in the closeout portion. So, um, when you're in closeout, you're gonna catch a lot of stuff, right? Because <laughs> it's already yeah, at that point yeah. where you're breaking down a bunch of things. But, but like major versus like regular stuff, because everyone um, has regular stuff, like yeah, queries unanswered, all this major, stuff, but like major. I I would say maybe just two sites, um, but I can attest that to very amazing principal CRAs that I worked with that were traveling to the sites. Um, I was very fortunate to learn from them. Um, but yeah, they were, I would say, an all-star team, uh, which obviously doesn't happen all the time. Um, but because of that, there really wasn't any major issues that I caught before they did. Right? But they were um, able to clean it up. But can you yes, share like were, what those mm -hmm. things were? without breaking like the blind uh, yeah um so i would say one, one of the biggest issues that this probably happens at all sites is just when you are going through constant turnover especially of crc turnover like uh that right there was one of the major issues because if you had a coordinator coming in that wasn't either experienced uh and i won't say that because even unexperienced coordinators as long as they're trained well like they should be fine right so um, I would say that a coordinator coming in that wasn't accurately trained, um, that, you know, was overwhelmed within the three to five month period, and then, you know, kind of put their hands up and left, and then they, another coordinator comes in, and you ultimately end up having a three, four, six, maybe even eight month break period where you're just trying to catch up and let them catch up. By the time you know it, it's already almost a year period where now they're like, okay, well, what do I how am I supposed to fix all these things, right? And so it's just, it's a domino effect. So whenever you do hire individuals, um, I'm not going to say only hire people with experience. No, give other people uh, opportunities that can do it, that come with good transitionable skills. But just ensure that, you know, you're not just throwing them in there, that you're giving them adequate training, you're giving them adequate oversee oversight, um, and that, you know, at least you're giving them at least two, two or three months where you're, with them in the calls with the CRAs uh, and RSMs just to ensure that communication is clear, thorough, and that there's good follow through, right? See, um, that's another like aspect of needing a manager or a site director. 
Like, yeah. from, let's go back to these 32 sites. Mm -hmm. How many had, like, just approximate active site managers or directors that would that get I was involved? aware of? Yeah. That I was aware of? Um, maybe 5% that I was aware of. See, that's really know, but, low. That's yeah, really that's, low. Yeah, but that was a remote type monitor end. Uh, that's not to state that if the traveling DRA did communicate, because that's not something I would communicate with them specifically, unless we had to escalate stuff, which there wasn't a whole lot of escalation happening. Um, but again, it as far as the remote site monitor aspect, the only communication I was really having um, was with the coordinators and the PIs. Yeah, so that, okay, 5% that you're aware of, they probably add more. So let's say half of them. Yeah. But even half is too little. Like, I really think every site needs one. Mm -hmm. uh, we're still small enough, Yuma Clinical Trial, we have maybe eight studies right now where I could be CC'd on all, I want to be CC'd on all these things. I actually have access to all the platforms. Mm -hmm. And if my coordinators are dropping the ball, I want to know right away, not not to blame them, but maybe they're overworked or maybe they're like haven't been trained on that. Mm -hmm. So that's like my job to make sure that they're able to handle their work yeah. and they're competent to handle their work. And um, a lot of the time, like the site director job is keep everyone happy. It sounds mm -hmm. really easy, but it's actually all yeah, impossible. It's impossible. Mm -hmm. Keep patients happy. Keep your coordinators happy, keep your PIs happy, keep your monitors happy, sponsors, and then all your vendors in the mm -hmm. community. It's impossible and it's a never ending job too. Yeah, I will I will say that there's an example prior to be me being a remote time monitor when I worked at a hybrid clinic. Um, I had the experience where the the coordinator had dual responsibilities. So because it was a hybrid clinic. You had the coordinator and then you had the medical office monitor who was um, who was really just on the medical end, but they kind of did a stand-in as a position of a site director, even though they never touched the research part. I don't know if this was for just documentation issues or what. This is obviously way, 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 way back, but I do remember a situation where there was an issue that came up and ultimately, you know, it was the site director just didn't want that extra work and was pretty much putting it back on the coordinator and putting the pressure on the coordinator. And I remember, yeah. I remember thinking like, okay, well, you know, if this is your job and if the coordinator is having issues, you, you hearing the issue and then retransitioning it back to the initial point of problem, there's no efficiency there. Right. And so I think also setting clear lines, like if this is at the PI listening um, and you have a site director that you're having issues with or this or that, making sure that when you onboard them, making covering all aspects that what can happen with how that scenario would play through. So if, say, if you have a coordinator and you don't have a backup coordinator and the coordinator is having issues, mm -hmm. you as a site director have to stand in, right? You XYZ. have to. Yeah, yeah. I do. And I, I mean, I, think I wouldn't be as good as any of our coordinators because I don't do day to day, but I have access to the platform. Thanks to Versatrial, I could even log in. Uh, mm -hmm. and get in right away. Um, but yes, yeah, somebody's got to pick up that slack. But the, this is a thankless job as a site director. And if you're a site owner, I think it's worth your while. And even a site director, not site owners, they usually have incentives. But keeping like, let's say keeping your monitor happy, meaning you're entering data quickly, you don't have that many action items, or you get your action items done fast, 
right? That's keeping your monitors happy, but that's keeping you, that's giving your coordinators more work. Mm -hmm. So their happiness can't be increasing at the same time that your monitor's happiness is increasing. Not to mention the whole financial aspect of like keep your PIs or the owners happy by mm -hmm. randomizing more. That means coordinators have to do more work. So there's like a theme here of like, okay, if I want to keep the key stakeholders happy, it's at the expense of coordinator burnout. Mm -hmm. So as a site director, I need to pay attention to this. Like, yeah, do I need I to bring on assistance? Do I need to get in and do EDC? Like what, how do we do, how do we keep everyone happy? It's yeah. almost impossible. I think, I think a good site director would one, obviously come on board and then assess the current scenario situation that what's happening, not just, okay, what studies am I doing? Um, how many staff do I have? And who's efficient, who's not efficient, all those kinds of things, but being aware of who's actually close or in burnout and understanding why they're in burnout, right? Um, and ultimately seeing, because sometimes, for example, like on the CRO end, right? Uh, monitors can obviously, can sometimes actually be over, uh, over, uh, burdening. Yeah, they can. Yeah, sometimes they can in the, in the sense of, you know, either they're new or they're they're getting ridden on really hard by their management. So they're they're expecting unrealistic, you know, things here and there. So I think after, you know, being fully aware of these things, sitting down with your coordinator and breaking down each thing one by one and understanding why it could be an issue of they need more training or they need a little more assistance or or it's just an issue of the, you know, the CRO is asking for too much or whatever, coming back and kind of creating some guidelines or like metrics about, you know, how far this can go, how far this can go. And at what point do you need to add somebody in, right? So how many more studies will you get at to where you're already at max capacity and you need to speak to the PI about expansion, right? Like I think having that's, those That's kinds the problem because a lot of these site owners and management of the sites mm -hmm they are looking to maximize profits. Yeah. So uh, it's another thing. We just talked mm -hmm. about action items. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's if you do that efficiently, that's stress on the coordinators. All right. That's one. If you randomize and screen to keep the sponsors happy at a rate that keeps the sponsors happy, mm -hmm. that's another stressor on the coordinator. Mm -hmm. All right. That's two. Now, You've got um, more workload for the CRC, like more studies. Mm -hmm. Because of companies like Inato, it's actually easier to get more studies now once you have experience. Well, rather than hiring more staff, let's just give like a little raise to the coordinators, but keep some of the profits. So a lot of these site owners, I'm not going to tell them how to run their business because it's their business, but mm -hmm. I think it's actually cost you more to overburden your coordinators than yeah. to hire new staff, support staff. Like mm -hmm. I'm hiring a a new person. We don't need a fourth person, but we're bringing one on to do data entry initially. Mm -hmm. And it makes sense for me because the three coordinators I do have, they all like a flex schedule. And one of them's in school, nursing school. So I kind of have to like, kind of replace her with this new person but this new person can also do data entry it costs me more in the short term but i think in the long run actually saves me money doing yeah. this 
hundred percent instead of waiting for somebody to fall through yes. and then you having to run the risk of any errors or issues being missed during the overload time. Yes. Right. And this is, people aren't, you know, it's, I think that that that's a good example as to those who are maybe new in research and then more on the business side, as opposed to understand the workings of research and what's more efficient and how that efficiency plays to the success over time. Um, yeah. So I, yeah, I mean, comes down to the owners, how they process through if the owners, also the PI, you know, understanding the full workings, not just, yes, you're a doctor, you know, yes, you have your, your, your site. It's great. But do you understand the, the backdrop of that? Do you understand what your director needs to do? Yeah. And, you know, are they capable of actually doing that with, I can say empathy towards coordinators because coordinators do so much. They really, really do so much. And this is why for me personally, I I'm very huge on if you're having burnout, if there's having issues, bring somebody on that doesn't have any research background. You can technically pay them slightly, slightly lower because they're just getting their feet wet. They're going to appreciate the opportunity to get the exposure. They're going to get that exposure. They're going to help your team. You can start them off slow bring them on, they're going to become an extreme asset to your side. And if you started them slow and bits by bits by bits, you know, I think that that, that, that helps the site. But I feel like most people, most companies are just focused on, okay, well, I need somebody to come in and just kind of take charge after the three month period. And um, I don't want to worry about anything. So I need somebody with experience, but you're also worried about budget. So it's kind of like, you know, you got to give and take a little bit here or there and see what's more it's beneficial a compromise. Yeah. It's something yeah. that's never like, it's never like a job done. It's just ongoing, especially yes. getting more studies, training more staff. Uh, I also think the site directors have to get their hands dirty. Like I'm, mm-hmm. I'm on, I don't want to, but I'm on data entry. I enter data here and there. I, I'm in Creo doing the e-source when the patients are there. Um, if I see the coordinators busy, like with the blood draws and processing, the other ones doing like the rating scale, the other ones working on study startup for another study and the patient sitting there, I'll go in there, make Mm -hmm. sure, Hey, what's your medical history? Let's go through this. Let's talk. Do you want a sandwich just to like participate? I'm not just there telling people what to do and that's it. And that, if you don't do that as a site director, you have no way of knowing if your coordinators really are overburdened mm-hmm. or if they're just complaining, I know yeah. I'm we're at the size where I still know the challenge is when we have multiple sites going at the same time, I can't be everywhere at once, mm-hmm. but if I travel enough and I empower people to slowly become site directors, I think it can be done. And then I, it, my job's to manage the site directors which we're nowhere near that stage right now in Yuma clinical yeah. trials, but I know some sites are. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you just have to get your hands dirty. That's the only way to actually see if like your coordinators are really overworked or not. And PIs, yeah. PI owners have a hard time doing this mm-hmm. because PIs usually don't get their hands dirty mm-hmm. on the little stuff. They might see the patient. They might do a physical. They might talk to the patient for five minutes. How are you feeling? Medical history. But they don't know, like, there's a database lock. You have 100 queries to answer, and you still have three visits that week. PIs don't know that. Like, they don't. Mm-hmm. So you, you do need, like, an, like an in-between, like a mm-hmm. site director, site manager. Otherwise, I mean, 
you have no way of knowing. Like the ownership has no way of knowing. Like, are they really overworked or are they just complaining? Yeah, hundred percent. So yeah, uh, I think it's you know, communication and hands-on experience, and then making sure that you come up with some sort of levels or metrics for the site to be able to keep on top of that and like actively grow when it's needed. You know, there's levels to this, guys. Uh, mm -hmm. Ashley, yes. we haven't even gotten into. By the way, Ashley's a co-founder of Latinos and Clunker Research, and uh, save our sites. <laughs> Yeah, we'll get to save our sites. But if yeah. Latinos in Clinical Research had a site director, that'd be you. You're the <laughs> one you. keeping everyone and like you're the one making sure people are doing what they're supposed to do. It's actually a good parallel to um, what I tell my coordinators. Mm -hmm. I tell them once once we go from me telling you what to do to you telling me what to do, I think you're fully trained at that like point like you you know what you're doing at this point like that's what i want that's your yeah. role in licr like you've become keeping everyone organized telling people what to do uh it's an interesting parallel there but save our sites you mentioned it okay mm -hmm. save our sites.com i think this has got to be one of the topics that yes. we discussed there yes no i agree 100 percent talking about that and because I do think um, some people feel like, oh, we're just going to be bashing CROs or sponsors. It's like, no, because there are good sites and then there's bad sites. Right? We haven't and bashed so one CRO or sponsor on this podcast I, for like you know. 40 minutes. It's I all <laughs> internal dialogue I'm on site. Internal dialogue, yes. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that it's going to be good, especially, you know, if we have PIs that are looking to, because I've, I've heard of this from some people that, some P, uh, you have CRAs that are looking to be site directors and that are going to bring potential PIs over so that they can hear what has to, you know, what we're going to be covering and see if that is a potential business that, that they want to do. Um, and I think it's 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 important that we cover these topics, that we get candid about what are real issues that happened, what sites need to do to be accountable, and obviously, of course, bring in the other issue of the often the spectrum, which is the CROs and sponsors and how they can be beneficial with us and or with the site, excuse me. Um, and so, um, yeah, I, I think this is a really great opportunity. It's obviously affordable. Um, it's extremely affordable. I mean, we initially at Early Bird, we're at $50 an entry. Now it's $250. Uh, and I think that's the cap that we're keeping it at and all the way until the, the day, February of 2024. Um, this is an opportunity for you to literally pay for three or four um, individuals from your site for one ticket that you might have gotten at another conference, right? So your whole team you can, can pay no, no, it's ten people at your site for one yeah. ticket at another conference. If we keep the so, two fifty, yeah. and it's only till December, guys. December thirty yes. first is when we have to give a final count to our venue. Okay, okay. The University of Arizona, but yeah, uh, I don't think we'll raise price, but. You're in charge of that too. You and uh, Fox, you <laughs> and Fox, Fox are like the site director, and Monica probably. Yeah. You, Monica, and Fox are like the site directors for Save Our Sites. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's definitely been interesting the kind of feedback, the sponsorships we're we're getting, and the things that that we're bringing to help sites. Right, this is not just coming to network. It's also resources. Right, um, there's a reason why you know all of us have been in the industry for so long. I think total, I think we. A max around 30 years experience or 40 with everybody included oh, i think who knows yeah this is, no, it's quite a i'm at 18 by myself oh no okay well then yeah no, no. 
yeah. yeah, so just the amount of experience you have, you're going to have me, you know, CRA sponsor, uh, sponsor CRA, then you're going to have site directors, CRO owners, you're going to have clinical research payment network. I mean, you're going to have all sorts of levels in the industry um, there just with us on the founding side alone, right? And so we're going to be there to talk processes, all those kinds of things, network and get connected. It's what a site-focused conference should be. Uh, mm -hmm. And accessible is the important part. Like, we're the owners. We're all site owners. Except Ashley. But yes. we needed we needed one. She might be a future site owner, but we needed an outsider as well from the CRO. And now... Sponsor, too. <laughs> you're, able to, you're able to say that? I didn't want to say it. I guess. <laughs> CRO and now sponsor side. So, I mean, it's important to have that on our leadership team as well. So it's not all one-sided because you're going to see the other side mm -hmm. yeah. of the of the coin and accessible. Like we're not, we want to make money. We want to first pay our bills. Like that's the main yeah. goal is to <laughs> pay first. for this conference. Like we don't want to lose money on it. And yeah. So far we're not, I don't think. Yeah. No. And if we do have a profit, it's all goes rolled into the next year's conference. Yes. So it's like we all have other ways we make income. It's not through the Save Our Sites um, conference. Save yeah. Our Sites conference. The organization it's going to turn into eventually. Um, Ultimately, we're creating a conference that we personally would enjoy. Like I've been to this year I've been to um, multiple conferences. I So my background, I was at site level, CRO and soon to be sponsor and you know all those different sites. When I was at site level, I went to conferences that were even site focused, but in the regional area. And you know, the, obviously each one has its own benefit, but I think that you know with everybody's experience and their exposure, the great thing is that we come together and really kind of dish out what's the most optimal um, because we don't always, you know, even though we have same viewpoints, we don't always agree, right? And so we're we're coming together to talk about what would probably be the best and more optimal just to ensure that when you go, you're enjoying from start to finish. It's worth the travel, it's worth the ticket. Um and yeah. Last thing before we wrap up. Yeah. Uh everybody go connect with Ashley on LinkedIn. Links is underneath the video or in the show notes. Tech adoption. Okay. I I used to be very um, skeptical of technology for sites to use mm -hmm. because pre-COVID, COVID like changed it, pre-COVID site-focused tech, where, where, when you were able to find one, they were usually sponsor and CRO-focused tech, was very expensive and not very good. Mm -hmm. And post-COVID, I'm still skeptical of most because most are like a money grab, but there are some like the ones I'm sponsoring here, like promoting that actually help. And we're starting to see a lot of free. Yeah. They actually help sites act bigger than they are mm -hmm. uh, to compete with AMCs and larger teaching institution. I think that's powerful because Tech allows you to leverage uh, economies of scale. So like Inato, for example, mm -hmm. 
and I still do. And Chris and I offer a consulting survey. It's very hands-on. Like we do your budgets for you. We help you with your SOAR, anything you need. We also help you get studies mm-hmm. and we'll help you get like your first studies in your new therapeutic areas. That's like our specialty. But like in NADA, they don't do any of what I just mentioned. They're for experience sites. But you can get studies like passively mm-hmm. through someone like this. Mm-hmm. Where So in the past, you needed like a whole biz dev team to find, like go to conferences and find studies. Now you don't. You can hire someone like me and Chris or get Inada for free, mm-hmm. get the studies coming to you passively. Or um, something like Viva or, or Creo, Viva Site Vault where it's like e-source, e-reg. So you, if we were talking about site directors, if you're traveling or something or working from home, you don't even need to be on the site mm-hmm. to know if a visit's going down or if your coordinators are working on their study startup stuff that you told them to do. Mm-hmm. Because you can log into these things and you can see in real time, is it being done or not? You don't need to mm-hmm. email. You don't need to text. I still do, but you can just log in and see. Like right now, my site, they're screening someone. I should be able to log in and create and see. Did they do the consent? Did the PI sign it? Did they get the study startup? That's tech. That's because of technology. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on site's hesitancy to implement tech? So I will say this because um, when I was at that hybrid clinic, uh, I was actually there when we did the transition. So um, we did paper, which was horrid. Um, and even prior to that, I was in home health, which was paper before the transition. And it was also very horrid. So uh, whatever level you're at, you know that paper is not very optimal, especially if something happens, if there's a flood or whatever, right? But um, technology, I love it because... For multiple reasons, efficiency is definitely the main one. I mean, you know me, like I'm very OCD-ish. I like uh, like a lot of efficiency and cleanliness and all that stuff. Um, but one thing that I saw, and that goes a perfect thing to what we were just talking about as uh, overseeing with site director, is that um, I worked with certain individuals at that hybrid clinic that, you know, um, were really good at looking very busy. And so without technology and these timestamps, you would not be able to efficiently see that, right? And so once the technology came and and I actually, because of my previous background experience before that, I had a lot of technology exposure. So I actually helped the tech uh, kind of oversee some of the things that we needed specifically for our site. Um, When I saw that we were going to have timestamps, I thought that that was amazing. And so once we had that in place, the um, medical office director was starting to actually see who was actively doing the work and who wasn't, who was able to Mm. organize and be actual focuses for progress improvement and who were not. So when it came to raises and salaries and all those kinds of things, this was, you know, obviously if you knew how to implement it accurately in your mid or end of year review, but you could utilize that for your benefit and say, Hey, why improve this process? I oversaw this. And, you know, um, I mean, there's so many things that benefit utilizing tech. Now, obviously, not all tech is great. So this is why, you know, I like what you do with Inato and Creo and all of them, because you, before you even speak about them, you review the systems yourself and ensure that they're actually effective, right? Because I have to be a fan first. Like there's a few that want to sponsor them, like, and it's tempting, but I'm like, you know, I haven't implemented it yet. Let's wait. 
Yeah, because that that is key. You know, you don't, it's one thing to just be another tech company out there doing the same thing as somebody else. What are you innovating? What are you actually doing to assist the site? Because somebody, you know, when I was at the ACRP conference, I overheard um, somebody saying, well, you know, there's so many tech vendors, you know, they're all doing the same thing. And I said, no, if you speak with them, some of them have a more viewpoint understanding of this one issue at the site level or the XYZ issue that they're focusing on. Maybe they might have generalized similarities, but there's things that are differentiating them, right? And if you take the time to understand the tech and how you would be implemented at your site, it would be useful. I do find that some of the reasons why some sites don't is for the issue that we just discussed, right? Where it's the PI is kind of what we're seeing most of it because they're the site owner. And I will say from 13 years of experience in the clinical industry with all levels of doctors that I've experienced specialty, non-specialty and years of veteran uh, experience, um, doctors really aren't fans of technology as much. Um, at least the ones that I've came to exposure with, they're, they're fans if their staff will use it and it's going to make efficiency. But as far as them coming in and actually sitting and learning the entire technology themselves, mm -hmm. I have yet to come across more than maybe five or seven doctors. Doctors are, especially the ones that run their own private practice yes. and do research, not just busy. They, they're very pragmatic. Like yeah. they're not actually very good business people for the most part. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, they're maybe they're successful at running a private practice, but they they got that way because they're not spending. And mm -hmm. so, anytime you tell them, "Oh, new tech," like Creo, for example, Creo is the one that costs from the ones that sponsor the show. Uh, but if you sell them something like this for their practice, they really think like scrutinize. Well, what's the ROI? And like, I need to see it. And if you can't convince them of it, it's game over. Like they're mm -hmm. not going to change. They're very pragmatic people. Yeah. When I did, when I was in that hybrid clinic, um, I was there for a bit and it was literally towards the end when I was already about to leave um, is when they did the transition. And I remember the conversation being, uh, I don't know how much tech vendors cost now. Right. But at that site level for that particular uh, system, it was, I think, 40000 to onboard the entire system. And yeah. Read. Yeah. <laughs> we and ain't was, doing that. We ain't yeah. doing none of that. <laughs> yeah. And then, well, the, the, I remember the physician was just like, well, um, I'd rather just keep doing paper. But the issue is that we were coming up through all these issues where if we were in a rush, there was illegible. I mean, there were so many things that would happen, right, that this system was going to be able to kind of of help avoid and and um yeah there's so, different I mean, kind of tech you know there's techs yes. that like play defense and yeah. there's techs that play offense like mm -hmm. innato's offense uh creo's a little bit of both but it's really offense viva is both and then uh versatile it's also offense like these are all offense but there are some things like necessary evil you have to spend money for right and it's even harder to convince PIs or physicians of spending on that. But sometimes it's the coordinators too. Like it's not a money thing. It's like Inato, Versatrial, Viva. These things are free. And it's still yeah. hard to convince. It's not the PI. You tell the every, PI yeah, and they're like, oh, has, what does the coordinator want? Yeah, because everybody has processes and they don't want to change their processes and all of that. But I mean, what I would say to the coordinator is that, you know, if you know you're going to stick in that job forever, then I, I suppose, fine. 
But for the most part, most coordinators, you know, they don't want to stick there forever. So it's just, if you're going to be valuable, you know, if you're going to go up to CRO level, if you're going to go to a more advanced site, that's going to be able to pay you more and those kinds of things, you need to be equipped with different technologies. You need to have that knowledge. You need to be adaptable. Or you will get left behind. I'm telling you, Ashley, we'll probably do a part two on tech, just me, you, and maybe like Monica or some people like from SOS. Yeah. If you're not, I'm at, I went from very skeptical, like I'm not changing anything. It works well to, I see how these things can work like Creo, Versatrial, Inato, Viva. They're very low cost or free. And I see how they work to now it's like, wait till they start connecting to one another. Cause they're, we're still in the early stages where it's mm-hmm. tech is like, this is a silo. This is a silo. This is a silo. I use these things different ways. Wait till they all start communicating together. Mm-hmm. If you're a site that has not adopted tech and you try to catch up when these things are all communicating, it's too late. It's yeah. too late. You're going to be irrelevant. That's yeah. my thoughts. No, no, I agree. I agree. I think everybody, I mean, I know a lot about tech. I know a lot about this and that, um, the aspect of tech and biotechnology and stuff like that. But am I somebody that jumps at the opportunity to learn different technologies? Not really, to be quite honest, because I know it takes time. And No one <laughs> wants another login, another yeah, email you know? like account. Yeah, and understanding the process. But ultimately is that if you can understand one thing is that on a full spectrum, not just site level, CRO, sponsor, pharma, Everybody is adapting as much as they possibly can for this next era of technology. You need to get on board. Like, that's just what it is, you know? And so, yeah. Exactly. Tech vendors, you are welcome to come to Save Our Sites Conference. Yes. Especially the ones I'm promoting and Brad's mm-hmm. promoting. And Fox. Fox has other mm-hmm. ones that uh, I'm not promoting, like MedVector. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to start implementing, I hope start implementing MetaVector and if I see like positive outcome then I don't mind promoting it here and then there's others but this mm-hmm. is where like this conversation will continue later on but Ashley thank you so much for coming on for sure. guys gals go connect with Ashley she still does resume reviews too I don't know yes, how she did. does <laughs> does have time for that I referred you someone the other day um <laughs> Uh, so go connect with her and thank you so much Asha for coming on sure. good luck at your senior CRA role we'll talk more soon sounds good like subscribe comment share guys bye bye